Hello. And welcome to another episode of Saturday, Saturday the, the 14th. 14th. This is Maggie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here to talk to you today about the ultimate Mother's Day movie. Oh, dear God. Because here at Saturday the 14th, we believe that mothers should be celebrated. And what better way to celebrate your mother than by tying her to a bed and super gluing her mouth shut? Maybe setting her on fire. That might be a part of it. I'm sending mine flowers, and now I feel like maybe I've underdone it. Um, I think you might need to do a little bit more. Send her some super glue in the mail, too. Okay, she'll like that. She'll definitely get the reference. Yeah. If you guys have not figured it out, we are talking about the super fucking creepy Austrian horror movie. Good Night, Mommy. Which, in its original German title, is Ich Zay, Ich Zay. Luckily, Maggie took German all throughout high school specifically so she could pronounce that properly. I have been waiting it was for just my the, whole life for this. It was just for this one episode. True. I did graduate high school five years before this movie came out. But still, it was, what, <laughs> it was, it was for this. <laughs> um, you should just add more German movies to our list to go through just so you can use the skill more often. Honestly, I've considered it. <laughs> I was thinking about adding some French ones in there so that you can, like, show off a little bit as well. Oh, we have a French one coming up. We do. Which one is it? Cat People? Oh, that's American. I mean, it's in English. Oh, fuck. Some of the people involved in it might be French. You know what? But I'm pretty sure it's... Let's do that weird one where the girls kill the guy. That's a lot of horror movies. (laughs) There's some French horror movie where there are, like, two girls who go home with, like, a pickup artist type guy and they end up torturing him all oh, night oh yeah i can't think of the name of it but i know what you're talking about we should add that one to our list eventually we're actually going to talk briefly about a french horror movie from the 1960s during this episode but i haven't seen it so it doesn't count maggie no you could still say the title oh okay cool i can do French that if you want although i didn't add it to our document so we might have to google it that's fine but that's fine i'm really good uh, i'm really good at googling french also if you can it's literally word for word a translation of the title. So maybe Beautiful. you can figure it out from that. But anyway, we're not talking about that yet. We are still talking about Good Night Mommy. Or Exa Exa. Did I say that right? Great work. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie came out in 2014. And it was written and directed by Veronica Franz and Severine Fiala. Maggie's going to say all the names because I cannot. I do not know if I'm saying most of these right because um, honestly, who knows? So I'm just going to roll with it. If you guys speak German better than I do because it's been 10 years since I took a German class, um, just let us know and uh, send us angry emails and we probably won't read them and then we won't do anything about them. But if it makes you feel better, go for it. Say it confidently. Say it like you're angry and I'm sure it will sound perfect. That's how I just talk in general. That's true. <laughs> That's my whole vibe. Confident no, and angry. Uh, I have a friend who's lived in Germany for a couple years, and they told me that they just try and sound angry when they talk in order to get, like, the enunciation a little bit better. Honestly, that's not a terrible idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, my favorite tip in – some good friends from Boston teach me how not to up-talk in every single <laughs> sentence, and their biggest tip was always to add the word damn it after every single sentence. So instead of me saying, I'm going to the store, I would say, I'm going to the store, damn it, and then eventually <laughs> just omit damn it, so I'd say, I'm going to the store. True. That's true. But anyway, who else, who does this movie star, Maggie? Uh, So it stars Suzanne Wust, I think is how you say her name, although, again, I'm not entirely sure. Um, And twin brothers named Elias and Lucas Schwartz. 
and we don't know what the budget of this movie is. It is unknown. I'm sure that it's somewhere. I couldn't find it. I looked it up on a couple different websites and I couldn't find anything. There's exactly one filming location. There are very limited special effects. Yeah. And there are like five people in this movie who talk. True. Maybe 10, in between five and 10 people. I can't imagine this movie costing that much money to make. Probably not. Also, um, Severin Fiala pointed out in an interview that I read that um, a lot of films in Austria, like most um, most films in Austria, are government funded. Like hmm. there's a lot of government funding for films. Did not realize that. Um, which is kind of the same thing as um, last episode when we talked about Dead Alive. Um, that was funded by the New Zealand government, like a film commissioner or whatever. What government official funded Dead Alive? I think it's just like a general artistic I fund. mean, like, who chose, like, you That's know, actually... I want to fund the goriest movie ever made where it shows an old woman eating her own ear. Well, that's sort of an interesting thing that, like, uh, uh, Severin Fiala actually talked about in that interview that I was reading, kind of why he brought it up, um, which he was talking about, like, why foreign films, or I guess foreign to us, um, non-American films are sort of, or were at this point in time, leading the pack in terms of, um, like, things that are a little bit more edgy or a little bit more experimental or kind of intellectual. It's because there's an art fund for them. So people right. who aren't already established have the ability to establish themselves. Exactly. And you don't have to worry about appealing to, um, you know, the board of directors or anybody at a studio or anything like that. That's so interesting. Right. So you can kind of be a little bit more unusual and a little bit weirder with what you do. And you don't really have to worry about somebody not wanting to fund that or being afraid that it's going to scare off shareholders or something like that. And it's good to know that there aren't like specific rules they have to follow. Yeah. If that was the case in America, oh my God, can you even imagine the kind of shit that would get made? It would I, be boring as fuck. Dude, I don't think you would get cockroaches coming out of women and also going into women yeah. and uh, small boys physically torturing their mother yeah i don't think they would have made this movie um <laughs> <laughs> imagine the current administration approving this movie huh. Huh. or any administration no really. i can't imagine any no I, I don't think that would have gotten made no one would be okay with this but i'm not okay with this movie <laughs> i had to not watch for a good scene because i was like i've yeah. already seen this once i don't need to see this again there are a lot of parts of it the more like over the top fantastical parts of it didn't really bother me like the cockroach stuff didn't bother me that didn't actually much. bother me too much the more realistic torture scenes towards the end um all of the mouth stuff and some of the, the eyeball stuff i had a very the hard mouth time with. stuff was specifically what i had to look away for yeah i yeah but in order to not talk vaguely why don't we get into specifics and talk about this movie? Sure. Um, before we do that, we do actually know the box office for this, which is that it was $2.2 million. Um, I don't know if that's just in Austria, just in the U.S. total, what the whole situation is with that. Probably still more than it took this movie to make. I would think so. Yeah, I think that this could be done for a pretty reasonable amount of money, honestly. Yeah. Especially in 2014, you can get high-quality cameras for a lower cost. And with, like, relatively unknown Austrian actors, especially because, like, the two main actors are young boys. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we will we'll start off with the synopsis here. Um, so this starts off with actually a shot of a very famous Austrian family, the Von Trapp family, made famous by um, the movie The Sound of Music. But this is like the, the real one. The real ones. Yes, this is not Julie Andrews. This is the slightly less camera-ready actual Von Trapp family. Um, and they are singing a lullaby uh, with the lyrics, Tomorrow morn, if God deems, you awake from your dreams, which is... 
heavy. <laughs> it, it seems like a really sweet lullaby at first, and then those are like the last two lines, and you're like, oh, what is this movie gonna be? And it's just all these like blonde children staring at you, singing about how like you might die in your sleep. God, blonde children are terrifying. Dude, they are. I know this because I was a blonde child. The only thing is I was not cute enough to be scary. <laughs> like weird looking blonde kids, fine. Cute looking blonde kids, terrifying i was only briefly blonde and it took a really long time for me to actually get hair (laughs) actually same (laughs) anyway this movie uh after the scene of the singing von trapp family which i'm sure was actually a very wholesome beautiful moment probably um though it's given kind of an eerie edge here um we see two nine-year-old boys who are twins um playing tag in a cornfield and one is wearing a pretty creepy little mask yes it's like a cardboard green painted thing. Yeah, it's sort of like a, I don't know, it's like a weird creepy mask that a kid would make, but it's a little bit creepier because they are in the middle of a cornfield. And at first you think it's just the one kid walking around looking for his brother, and then he's, it's sort of a jump scare where like his brother pops out of nowhere. Rah. But then it like sort of goes into like this cute scene of like them playing, and they're like out in the lake and yeah. playing on the lake. Well, so after this, there's, like, a weird cave they somehow stumble upon they go into, and then it just cuts into one of them on the lake. Yeah, uh, and the one that's on the lake, they they don't say his name for a really long time in this movie, but his name is Elias. These kids have the same name as the actors. Yeah, which I think is, um... A great choice for very naturalistic acting because you can tell that in a lot of scenes it's probably just those two twin brothers actually like goofing around with each other and they don't have to worry just about like punching each say. other. Yeah, there's one scene where they just punch each other a bunch. There's a scene where they just burp at each other for a while. <laughs> um, my fiance has a brother who he's really close with, and he was like visibly overjoyed by like all of the scenes of just them being brothers. That's and, so like, cute, joking around and stuff. It was really cute. Wait, is you've met his brother, right? Yes. Great. <laughs> Just want to make sure he's real. He's a real person. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, Elias is, uh, is that right? Elias? I think it's Elias. Elias? Um, in, the, like, um, in the way that she says it in the movie, but I think. Great. Whatever. Elias or Elias. Um, so he's floating a lake and he's counting and he's calling out for his brother. And he's like, Lucas? Lucas? And then Lucas like pops up from underwater. No, he doesn't pop up from underwater. You see bubbles. Yeah, you never see Lucas in the scene. Which is creepy, because, like, what, what's he doing under Where's there? Lucas? Where's Lucas? We'll get to that later. We will. Um, but anyway, the boys go home, and they see that their mom has come home from undergoing cosmetic facial surgery. Presumably she's had, like, a nose job. I think she's had something. more. I think she had a lot of work done. Yeah. Because, like, her entire face is, like, bandaged to shit. Yeah. And, like, later we see diagrams of everything going on. She's had, like, heavy cosmetic surgery. Yeah. Um, and she's closing all the windows and stuff like that. Um, and they're, like, out in the middle of nowhere. They, like, live out in, like, super rural Austria, um, like, on a farm near a lake. So they're out in the woods in the middle of nowhere. Um, so it's just them. And so, um, they get home and kind of say hi to their mom. And they go and they take a bath together, which, like, they're nine. I felt like I was taking baths by myself by this point. Yeah, but I don't have a twin, also, you know? I don't have a bathtub that big. I've That's never true. had a bathtub that, bathtub that size before. That bathtub is enormous. Yeah. Um, and they go downstairs to hang out with their mom, and um, they go to get some juice from her, but she only pours one. Yeah, and, like, Lucas doesn't – she pours it for Elias, and then Lucas doesn't ask her directly. He whispers in Elias's ear, and then Elias is like, Lucas also wants some. And she says, like, well, if Elias wants – or 
And then she's like, well, if Lucas wants some, he's going to ask me for some himself. And she, like, only makes enough food for Elias. And he's like, this isn't enough for me and Lucas. And she's like, yeah, well, you know why. So you're kind of like, wow, this mom is like a bitch about Lucas. Like, what is happening there? But Elias shares his drink and his food with Lucas. So it's okay. And he also says, like, you should apologize to her. Which is like, hmm, what happened? Very we don't know. Confusing. She's apparently pissed at him, though. I guess. So then they sit around in the living room at night. They play that game where you, like, write the name of, like, a thing or a person or whatever, um, like, on a post-it note and stick it on the other person's head, and then they have to guess who they are. Lucas is a car. Yeah. <laughs> That's so random. Or Elias is a car. Lucas doesn't get to play. Well, we don't see Lucas play, at least. True. He's guessing and stuff like that and kind of giving answers. And so Elias writes one for their mother, um, and he writes, Mama. Yeah. um, And puts it on her. And during this, you kind of get, like, a little bit of insight as to, like, who she is. Yeah. uh, She asks, like, um, is she a TV host? And they say yes. So it implies, like, yes, the mom actually is a TV host. Yeah. Like, she works in Um, Austria. She speaks German. She speaks German. But she's not on German TV. Right. Um, there's something about how she is famous, kind of. Yeah. And, like, do I have children? Yes, you have two children. And then she's stumped. And she's like, well, what things do I like? And Lucas keeps being like, you like do- you like animals. You like animals. And she's like, what? And she, like, kind of doesn't respond to Lucas. And Elias is like, you like animals. And she still doesn't get it. So it's a very weird sort of tense family moment. Yeah. And that night they go and they, like, play with their cockroaches. Um, Ugh. So I can't decide whether they have a bunch of cockroaches that keep getting away. Because they find one in the bathroom. Or if they just have so many cockroaches in their house that he just started keeping them These are, like, huge, not, like regular cockroaches. I think these are Madagascar cockroaches. They're so fucking big. Um, Like, to the point... I will admit, my biggest fear in this world is cockroaches. I hate them more than I hate anything. I'm fine with heights. I'm fine with clowns. I'm fine with a lot of weird shit. Cockroaches, for me, are what get to me. I'm fine with spiders. Like, I will go and take a spider outside and stuff. Yeah. Um, Cockroaches are just the worst because they don't even serve a purpose. They're just there to be disgusting. these look so different than the cockroaches we have in, like, L.A. Yeah. That they didn't bother me as much. I live in East Hollywood in an older building. Like, we get cockroaches sometimes. If we got one the size of the cockroaches in this movie, I would straight up move. Like, I don't care. I would be out of that place. You know, <laughs> I would never go back. Small cockroaches are actually a worse sign than big cockroaches. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> um, but there's a reason why I moved to the west side. And it's no cockroaches. Anyway, um, big cockroaches. They have pet cockroaches. These cockroaches are recurring through this movie. There's a couple of reasons why I don't particularly enjoy watching this movie, even though it's great. And one of them is the cockroaches. Yeah. Um, so they're, like, hanging out in bed uh, after having put one of their cockroaches in its little cockroach cage. They have a full-on tank for their cockroaches. It's horrible. There are so many There's of so them. There's so many cockroaches There's, like, in this 20 movie. cockroaches in this one tank. And, like, multiple containers of cockroaches. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's there a lot are so in many in this one tank. They're, like, crawling over each other. Oh. They don't. There's not even enough room on the ground for them just to, like, all just be in their separate corners and hang out. Like, they can't all be on the ground at the same time because there's so many of them. <sighs> Ugh, it's so gross. It's so gross. But that's not the point. Other stuff happens in this <laughs> Anyway. Movie. That's not what this movie's about. Um, so they're, like, watching a video on a phone in bed. And their mom comes in. She, like, freaks out at them. She's, like, you know, doesn't want them, you know, playing and making noise at night. And she's, like, you can't do this. And they're, they're like, well, we can do this at dad's. And she's, like, I don't care what you do at dad's. Like, that doesn't matter. She gives them this long 
list of rules that they have to follow going forward. Yeah, like, they can only play outside. And it's the middle of summer. Yeah. And, like, this huge house. Yeah, she's obviously very strict, and they seem to be kind of, like, surprised by all this. Yeah, they have to be completely silent in the house. They have to... They have to keep the blinds closed all day. Yeah. Um, They're only allowed to play outdoors, like I said. Um, So it's super weird. And... Then they're talking afterwards in bed, and um, I think it's Lucas is talking about how she doesn't act the way that she used to act, how their old mother would never say stuff like this. And I think they they watch a video of her. They play a tape that she recorded before her surgery that says, like, I love you so much, like, and has, like, kiss noises and stuff like that. And I think it was because she was away for a while. Yeah. Um, They would, like, play it at night in order to, like, still have a part of their mom with them. So it's really cute, and obviously it's, like, a total, like, complete 180 from the way that she's acting now like it's a totally different person i will say in the scene like it's so dark that like you just can't really tell what twins talking sometimes yeah during the scenes where it's better lit for the most part up until the end lucas is wearing a darker shirt in most of the scenes than elias is it's also hard because like in the first scene like he's wearing an orange shirt and like Elias is wearing a uh, white shirt, I think. And then, like, later, Lucas is the one wearing the orange shirt. And it's just so confusing. (laughs) I honestly just guessed the entire time who it was talking. Yeah, and, like, Elias has longer hair than Lucas does. Yeah, I I could not notice that. Yeah. Um, But it doesn't really come up until later. So they go outside, and they're playing outside after they've decided that maybe this isn't actually their real mom and something weird is going on. Um... And they go to this, they find, like, a little bone hut. Yeah, they find <laughs> this weird cave-type thing. And there's, like, a ton of skulls and bones and stuff like that. And there's this cat that's meowing in there. I don't know if this is, like, a regional thing. And it's, like, in other countries, it's, like, I don't know, the place that you put remains because you don't want to bury people out on the farmland or something. I don't really know. One of the articles I read said they thought it was inserted as a red herring. Maybe. That would make sense, that it's just like, here's a creepy thing, but it actually doesn't have anything to do with the story. Yeah, because um, they never bring this up again. Another potential option is that this is, like, this whole story is kind of told from an unreliable narrator point of view, um, which we'll talk about more later. But it could be that, like, maybe they see them as skulls and bones and they aren't actually. That's true. There's a handful of things. But, like, the point is that they walk into this creepy cave. There are skulls and bones everywhere. There's and like then it's never brought up so again. so many human remains in, in this one spot. It's yeah. very weird. But there's also a cat chilling in there. And they're like, oh, a cat. We're going to take it and be its friend. They take him home and they name him Leo. They do. And they put him in a box, uh, under, box under the bed. bed. Yeah. And they're trying to feed him hot dogs out of a jar. <laughs> um, Which that's is really bad for cats. Horrifying. Too much of, salt. Like, also, just the concepts of like a hot dog soaked in brine in a jar is... I mean, that sounds delicious to me. I, I used to eat Vienna sausages like out of the can. I guess that's a good point. If you're thinking about them like Vienna sausages, that's one thing. Also, I mean, where is Vienna? In Austria. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they don't know about their sausages. No, no, sausages. no. It's what just... I mean is these are probably literally Vienna sausages, That's just true. not tiny. I know. I'm not I'm not trying to tell the Austrians how to do sausages, because obviously Austrians and Germans are like ultimate sausage kings. Second to the Polish. Second, sure. Yes. I didn't mean to malign your people. You better you not. You guys <laughs> know your sausages, and I respect that. We know one type of sausage, and that <laughs> sausage is damn good. That's true. Man, I want sausage now. Anyway, not the point. Um, and so the mom comes in and they have to like stow Leo under the bed. And she like 
is just pissed off for no reason for like this whole movie. She's just well, like is in constantly this scene, on a- she tries to get in and the door is locked and she gets really pissed off by the fact that the door is locked and she is really pissy like a lot more so all the time. Yeah, but she like comes in. And she's like, we don't since when do we lock doors in this household? Which is like, let your son have like a second of privacy. He's nine. He's going through like very very early stages of puberty like, maybe just let him lock the door from time to time you don't need to just storm into his bedroom and he lets you in yeah they go and they unlock it but she like freaks out and she searches the room she finds a coca-cola bottle and she loses her shit she like stares in the eye while like holding this coca-cola bottle and like glares at him and then throws it in the trash and keeps searching and then she finds like a lighter in his bed and freaks out about that she's like what is this why would you have a lighter in your in this room and he gives like i don't know if this was a serious or a sassy answer i just couldn't tell because i don't understand um austrian intonation <laughs> but he was like i wanted to burn books which is like either way a hilarious answer to that question because it's not a good reason to have it's that. not at and all you just you can't be like i wanted to set fire to things in my bedroom like your mom's not gonna like that but she freaks out and she like sort of like restrains like she's sort of like she like jumps body on slams him yeah and like holds him on the bed it's weird and violent yeah and this is all between her and elias and lucas is in the top bunk and he's like stop it stop it he's like trying to yell at her to get yeah. off of elias um, so it's weird because like she has this very strange relationship where she completely ignores Lucas and is really mean to Elias. And so she's like shitty to both of them, but in like very different ways. Um, but she like freaks out and then goes and storms out of the room and, uh, and goes back to her bedroom. And then in the middle of the night that night, there's this very surreal, bizarre scene. Yeah. She just like starts walking straight into the forest and she just strips naked. Yeah. She's like wearing her underwear when she goes out there and she just starts taking it off as she goes and she walks out into the middle of the woods and she's like, she also takes off her facial wrappings when she's doing it. Mm -hmm. You don't see her face because by the time it's turned around on her face, her face is doing that weird thing that happens in horror movies where it's moving in many directions very quickly. So it's all blurred out. One that I think Jacob's Ladder like popularized Ooh, interesting. or was one of the first movies to like really do that it's so creepy it really is it's really upsetting um so she's just standing out in the middle of the woods freaking out completely naked but then the boys wake up yes seemingly so it was a nightmare probably a nightmare there's a lot of scenes like that where it's like something weird happens the boys wake up something weird happens so well, I think there's like it's a like lot a of boy wakes up we only see one of their faces but True. also all you see is their face so like which boy is it right you don't know um and then, so they sneak into her room, and they put a cockroach on her face. And the cockroach, like, crawls around and then crawls into her mouth. This is also not clear whether it is a dream or not, um, because that doesn't seem possible to me. <laughs> and just watching this movie, I remembered how much, like, I just don't... And it's not a pleasurable experience watching it's this movie. not. I kind of feel the same way that I feel about Hereditary, where you're like, oh, God, I respect it so much, but, like, oh, I don't want to look at it. It's so good, but I don't want to watch it for a second time. Yeah, it felt too soon. It's been years since I saw this last. I probably same. saw it two or three years ago, and I am already like, okay, I'm good for a bit. You yeah. Know, I'm, I'm okay for a while. I did. Mm. It's a fantastic movie, though. It's a great movie. Very good movie. <laughs> watch it once. And then never again. Yeah. And so the next day, they're bored. They're hanging around the house. And they're looking through all of these old photos. And one of the things that you notice is um, there's a piano in one of the, like, in the living room area. And there's a bunch of photos hanging over it. But it's very clear that a bunch of them are missing. And so then when they're going through the photo album, like, all of the photos of their father are gone. Yeah. There's, like, a whole section that says, like, our wedding. And they're completely empty. Yeah. 
But they do find one with their mom and another woman who is super, super similar she looking to their mom. She looks so similar. They're yeah. even dressed the same. Yeah. And uh, they decide they want to do some more research. So they go to the computer and they Google their mom's name. Yeah. And what they find is that their house they're currently living in is up for sale. Yeah. I feel like you shouldn't be able to Google a celebrity's name and then see pictures of their home. Yeah. That seems very creepy to me. Unless it was like, oh, we're selling this house as the previous residence of like Leonardo DiCaprio because that could be a selling point. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know. If she's still living there, maybe not. Yeah. It just seems like here is how to get into this woman's house. Stalkers, like, go for it. Yeah, but they're a little freaked out. So they sneak into their mom's room and they put a baby monitor in there. Yeah, under the bed. And this is interesting because both of them go in. Lucas is sort of standing watch while Elias puts it under the bed. They realize that she's coming in. Elias stays under the bed so that she won't see him. But she presumably walks right past Lucas and doesn't acknowledge that anyone is in the bedroom. I didn't notice that. Yeah. There's not, like, that door opens into a hallway. So it's not really clear where Lucas would have gone to get away from her. IDK. But she doesn't see him. Elias hides under the bed. She, like, drops something and, like, reaches down to pick it up, but she doesn't look at him. So he gets away. So they're going to keep track of her with this baby monitor that they have. Um, they also realize that the cat is gone. Yeah, they will go into their bedroom and they pull out the um, the kind of drawer box thing they put underneath the bed. And the cat's not there. And so they're walking around the house. They're like, Leo? Leo? Which is how we realize they named him Leo. So cute. Yeah. Good cat name. Our own pod cat, Maddie's cat Nikolai, is here watching us record this. And He's he sitting is... on the chair between us. He's so cute. Anyway. Um, that's the good news, because yeah. the bad news is coming now. Yeah. Um, they look around the house for him, and they find him dead. Yeah, he's, like, behind a radiator in the basement. Yeah, and uh, Lucas is convinced the mom did it. Yeah, and so they put him in, like, a container with, like, I don't know if it's like oil formaldehyde. Or formaldehyde. It's something like that. I don't so know where they would have gotten that. Maybe it was oil. Um something that comes in very large gallons they pour this stuff into the aquarium with the cat in it and just they end up leaving it in the middle of the living room yeah it's really weird and so the mom comes in and she's like this is fucked up and so she retaliates by taking the cockroaches which is they were in the aquarium originally they've since been relocated to basically a big mason jar and just dumps them all into... She, like, dumps some of them into the aquarium. And then, yeah. like, the kids are hiding, and so she doesn't know where they are. And so she dumps more. And it's, like, the second or third time that she dumps some in to, like, kill them, the kids, like, run out. And they're like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. Yeah, and she's also, like, oh. I feel like keeping a ton of cockroaches in a mason jar, like... Would not work. Not only that, but as much as I hate cockroaches, I still feel like... It would be mean. That's pretty cruel. Yeah. I mean, they're kids, so they don't know, you know. It's true, but I just feel bad for them, even though they're my least favorite thing in this world. Yeah, I understand. Um, and she obviously gets upset. They then accuse her of not being their mom. They're like, you're not our mom. You're not our mom. And so she physically, like, grabs Elias and takes him into their room and closes the door and locks it. So Lucas is, like, stuck on the other side of the door, like, trying to listen in. And this entire shot is on Lucas's face. Yeah. And we hear what's going on in the bedroom. And the mom is saying, like, say I'm your mom. Say I'm your mom. And like keeps hitting Elias until he says, like, you're my mom. And he has to say it ten times. Yeah. And then she locks them in the bedroom. 
and they spend an undetermined amount of time in there. But while they're in there, they're like listening into the baby monitor, although it's pretty clear that she probably finds it because I think she like turns it off. Like you hear like breathing and then it shuts off. Um, and they're like sharpening sticks and stuff like that. Um, they're also like taking turns at guarding the door in case she decides to come back. They put a ton of stuff in front of the door. Yeah, they have like a little toy crossbow that they're playing with and stuff like that. But so then they, they like put these very very sharp sticks in the toy crossbow, so kind of really turns into a real toy to- anymore. Yeah, yeah it kinda <laughs> turns into a real crossbow. So they're like planning something in there. But then a little while goes by, and there's this. Um, they're like taking turns keeping guard. Yeah, and. I think it's when Elias goes to keep guard. He ends up falling asleep. Mm-hmm. And there's this weird dream sequence where they go into the bedroom, they cut the mom's stomach open, and just, like, hundreds of cockroaches come out. It's Maybe gross. not hundreds, a lot. In a my lot mind, cockroaches. ten cockroaches or hundreds of cockroaches. It's about like that. It's a lot of cockroaches. You know, if you see one cockroach in a location, it means there's lots more there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> This is why I'm terrified of them. I'm going to bug bomb the shit out of my apartment this weekend. (laughs) Um, Just after watching this movie. Um, Bug bomb the shit out of all of Hollywood. Dude, I think it needs it. I'm never living in Hollywood again. Oh, God. I love East Hollywood, but that is a major, major downside. Um, But so he wakes up. um, And the next morning, the mom comes and knocks on the door. And she's all friendly. And she's like, hey, I'm sorry. Let's be friends again. Can we be friends? But notably... She has taken off the bandages from her she face, has. and she has a shit ton of makeup on. Yeah, she's wearing a lot of makeup. Her nose is all done, and her face is all done. Um, and she looks different from the old photos. And it's not really clear if it's... Yeah, there's a shot of her face, a shot of the old photo. And part of it's like, the old photo doesn't have any makeup on it. But also, like, her face just looks different. Right, because she's had, like, full facial Extensive surgery. facial surgery. Also, maybe it's not the mom. Who knows? Maybe. And so they're like... She gives them a um, a boomerang to play with, and he and Elias is like, "Oh, great! Can I play with it outside?" And she's like, "Sure." Well, what she he says is, "Can we play with it outside?" Right. And, and so, the mom so goes they with- go downstairs, and she goes to open the door to go outside with him to play, and Elias like bumps into her and knocks her out of the way, and then um, him and Lucas just like sprint outside. Yeah, and they just run like crazy, and they run to like this old. Um, there's like a. A farmer out in the fields and, like, a bunch of stuff is on fire and he's kind of trying yeah. to get the kids away from that. Well, you get, like, there's controlled burning that you'll do in fields right. in order to, like, kind of, I think it's, like, revitalize fields or something. Yeah, get out the underbrush and stuff. Yeah, and so um, it seems like that's going on. Like, it seemed it was purposeful burning, not, like, accidental. Right, but he still doesn't want the kids around there. So they hang out there for a while and then they run away. And they get to this weird empty town nearby. Um that it, it seems to be completely empty except for a man playing the accordion very loudly. And they go into a church where they find the sexton who is working at the church. And they're like, can you, are you the priest? And he's like, no, I'm the sexton. And he's like, can you call the priest? And he's like, sure. So the priest goes and gets them. And it seems like maybe he's going to take them to go get help or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So I think the kids thought that the priest was taking them to the police station. Yeah. Because like how he was how they were putting it in the car, like, oh, yeah, so you, like, help us tell the police this? He was like, yeah, 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 of course. Mm -hmm. But the priest sucks. He just drives them back home to their house. That's not a good call. Don't do that. Like, if two children are, like, like, if someone comes to you and is like, my mom is not really my mom and I'm being held against my will, just to be safe, take them to the... the, And that way, like, the police police. can, like, talk to the mom, maybe ask more than literally one question. Which is all that happens. He drops them off and he goes, do you want to tell me what that was? And she's like... 
it's just all been a little bit too much. The separation, the accident, the separation. And I guess maybe the priest knows her. That's possible. Because she does just say the accident and the separation. And he's just like, oh, I get it. So maybe he knows, like, her well enough to know that, like, that's her kid. Yeah, but at the same time, like, what's the downside to having the police, like, talk to the mom for, like, ten seconds? That's true. Like, there's probably something going on. It would have been an extra hour or two out of everyone's day. Right. And the priest wouldn't have, like, betrayed the kids. Yeah. Um, But that doesn't happen. They just get dropped off there. Nope. So to de-stress from this, um, which honestly, you know, your kid's running away and then having to be brought back by a priest is a little bit stressful and embarrassing. There's just like a shot of her crying in the kitchen. Yeah. It is sad. I mean, once you start seeing it from her perspective, and this is about where the shift happens, where you stop seeing the whole movie from their perspective and you start seeing things from her perspective. You get some alone time with her. The kids are not around. You see her sort of break down after the kids come home. But yeah, she um, takes some pills and goes to sleep. And wakes up. And uh, she is not comfortably in bed. No, she has been tied to the bed by her insane children. Yeah. Who are demanding to know where their real mother is. And wearing those creepy-ass masks. Yeah. Except there was one mask in the beginning, and now there are two. Yeah. And she's like, I'm your mother. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? I'm your mother. And they're like, stop lying. And they like bring up the photo. And like, who's this woman? She's like, it's a friend. They're like, don't lie. And she's like, no, it's a friend. And they go to like look for proof or whatever and so they find this video of her like it's her like talking about how excited she is about for the surgery coming up yeah and um in it it looks like she has brown eyes and so they come back in and they're like you have brown eyes you have brown eyes in the video you have brown eyes why are your eyes a different color now and she's like their contacts are in the bathroom you can go find them and the kids like go start to look through the bathroom a bit and Lucas kind of comes in while Elias is looking, and Elias is like, well, she says they're just contacts, and Lucas says, I thought we agreed not to believe her, or something like that. So, like, Lucas is really leading the charge against this actually being their mom. Yeah, he really doesn't think it's her. He's been the one in- insinuating it the entire time. And I really hate this scene where um, they're trying to, like, take the contacts out or look at her eyes or whatever it is they're doing, because they just keep, like, sticking their little fingers in her eyes, and it looks, oh, God, I hate eye- I hate eyeball shit. I hate eyeball shit See, so that much. really didn't bother me. A lot of the stuff coming up now really bothers me. <laughs> a lot of stuff going forward does. This doesn't. Um, as a spoiler, there's a lot of torture yeah. coming up. A lot, a lot, a These lot. kids are not very nice, it turns out. No. Um, and they get so scary at this point. So they've, like, trimmed their hair to look the same, and they're both wearing the same white shirt. Yeah, so they, they, they are identical. before they went to the priest because they thought their mom would be able to tell them, they like, couldn't tell them apart if it right. wasn't, like, their real mom. So she would have to treat them the same or whatever. Yeah. And so now they're just two identical lunatics, basically. Yep. And so uh, she starts, like, yelling. And so they seal her mouth shut with packing tape. Yeah. And they also, so, like, earlier on, um, one of them, although I don't remember which one, was, like, using a magnifying glass to kill ants. And now he's using it to burn a hole in his mom's face. Yeah. They do um, torture her by doing that. And she starts screaming and crying, obviously, because her face is burning. They burn a hole in her face. They also realize that the mole she's had on her face is drawn on. Right. And they freak out about that. And she's like, well, they had to take it off when they did the rest of the surgery. Like, it was dangerous. So she's implying that it was, like, precancerous or cancerous okay. or something like that. I've seen what it looks like when people have moles taken off. It's never that clean. Well, right. Just That's saying. <laughs> but I don't think that... I guess they could have... 
I guess they could have like put something on her face. They could have done that. They couldn't make it look completely like. I don't think they could have made it look like there was never anything there whatsoever. True. You could do a lot of like scar minimization. There's a lot of things you can do to help. But when you cut off something that big, usually there's some mark left over. Yeah. Although it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, obviously you wouldn't look probably as good as she looks that shortly after surgery anyway. Yeah. Because it's not really clear I mean, how movie much magic been, and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Also, a low budget means you don't have as much for special effects or makeup or stuff like that. So That's true. I'm just saying that if it's not their mom, that would make sense. That's true. That's true. Um, so she's, like, freaking out, and they, they tape over her mouth to keep her from being able to scream. And then we get a little bit of uh, a comedic break. Sort of, although it doesn't really end up that way. Two Red Cross like donation solicitors come by and they just walk straight into the house dude they let themselves in i don't know if this happens in other countries like maybe this is an austria thing they just open the door and they're like oh well it's unlocked that means someone must be home they start walking around the house they go to walk upstairs because they think they hear something from upstairs yeah like oh maybe someone's up there it's like can you imagine if you were like home in the bath right just like having a nice bath and just two elderly Red Cross volunteers strolled on into your bathroom to ask you for 20 bucks. Yikes. Like, how inappropriate? It's so inappropriate. Yeah. And that so, made me almost as uncomfortable as a lot of other shit in no, this movie. No, it's true. Um, and so while they, after they go upstairs and they're like starting to look around because they feel like they hear something, um, Elias and Lucas walk downstairs. Or they're downstairs and they come out and they're like, hey, what's up? why are you here? And they're like, oh, we're from the Red Cross. Uh, is your mom home? And they're like, no. And they're like, oh, we thought we heard something. And they're like, oh, that's our dog. And they're like, okay, well, when's your mom going to be home? And like, soon. And they're like, okay, well, wait. Which is also like, get the fuck out of my house. And so they all go to sit at the kitchen table, except for like Lucas, who's just sitting in like a swinging chair in the back. I don't know what their plan is for this, because obviously they can't bring their mom down. So they just, like, wait for a while, and then Elias goes and gets, like, a 50-euro bill from, like, her purse and gives it to them. And they're like, well, we don't normally take money from kids. And, like, the guy with the Red Cross is like, well, their house is really nice, so, like, maybe they can afford it. It's ridiculous. They literally just pay off these Red Cross employees and they leave. But as they're leaving, um, the tape on the mom's mouth kind of comes loose and she starts screaming, like, help me, help me, help me. But... By that point, they're already out of the house. They're too far away. Although, I gotta be honest, they're just down the driveway. That house is all glass windows. If someone was in there screaming, help me, they would be able to hear. Probably. Most likely. This was very uh, funny games reminiscent to me. Yeah, it was. There's a lot of slight funny games vibes in this. Yeah. Um, so the kids realize that obviously <laughs> this means that their tape solution was not good enough. And so they super glue her fucking mouth shut. And they use like a shit ton of super they glue. They use a lot. Like it's all like caked over and really horrifying looking. Ugh. But then they realize later that she's not going to be able to eat. Yeah. They go and they microwave pepperoni pizza. Because for some reason they, <laughs> they ordered so like much. a year's worth of pepperoni they pizza. so much pepperoni pizza. So they microwave it and they're going to feed their mom. We're like, oh shit, she can't eat. So they decide they need to cut the mouth back open. Yeah, and they um, slip a little while they're doing it, and just it cuts her lip, and then she screams, so it rips her lip the rest of the way. <laughs> so her mouth is just covered in dried glue and blood for the rest of the movie, basically. I this was the scene I could not watch. It was really rough. This is about where I came in. 
this evening. You came in right <laughs> after. You got to enjoy all the blood and all the glue. Because um, I was finishing the movie right before recording this. And Maggie got here a little early. And she was like, I'll watch the end of the movie with you. Mm. And by that, I mean, I said, hey, Maggie, watch the end of the movie with us. Yeah. So she's in bed. She's wet in bed at this point. Um, it's not really clear when, but like sometime recently, some weird shit to is be happening. fair, if I had two young sons who had tied me to a bed, super glued my lips shut, poked me in the eye multiple times, peeing myself is something that I might also, do. It's not clear how long she's been tied up. It's been like, they, it's been a, it's been they hours. They tied her least. overnight. Yeah. So she hasn't gotten up and, and it's, it's like, like afternoon. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a while. Um, so they set her free because they need to change the bedding. Um, and they're like, wash wash the bed. They, they want her to wash Yeah, they the make sheets. her, like, do it all. Of course they fucking do. So they unbind her, um, and she grabs a quilt and sort of throws it over Elias's head and runs. And she runs all the way down the stairs. She's doing so great. She runs outside where they have set up a tripwire, and she falls and she smashes her face on the cement. So they end up dragging her to the center of the living room, and they super glue her entire body to the hardwood floor. Yes. And uh, Elias is standing with, like, a candle over the aquarium that has the dead cat and probably dead cockroaches in it now, too. Yeah. And there's, like, a bunch of candles lit around and all around her body. And he's like, tell me where my mother is. And she's like, I am your mother. Like, I'm your mom. And so he puts the candle down and lights the aquarium on fire, which is the first time I realized that it wasn't water. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, don't do this. Don't do this. I'm your real mother. And she's he's like, no, then like, tell me. And he's been asking her all these questions. Like, tell me, what is Lucas's favorite song? What is Lucas doing right now? Like, all of this shit that, like, whatever. And she's kind of brushing him off. And finally, she's like, listen, I'll do all of it, okay? I'll pretend that Lucas is still alive. I'll make him breakfast again. I'll talk to him. I'll pour him juice. But you just have to believe me when I say that I'm your mother. Um, and it's like, she doesn't actually use the words, like, I'll pretend that he's still alive. But she's like, I'll play along. Right. I'll do all these things. And she lists, like, the, the two sets of clothing, the two sets of juice, and all this. But she does like, say it's like, I'll it'll be like he's alive again or something like that. Or it'll be like it's all three of us again. She yeah. says something like yeah, that. I think, yeah. Where it's, like, very, very heavily implied, but I don't think she uses no, that she word. Says alive. She does? Yeah, okay. She says, yeah. Um, and there's this amazing scene where it shows Elias, oh, and then, part. like, Lucas, like, just pops out from behind him. Yeah. But not so in, like, creepy. a jump, but, like, in, like, a slink. Yeah. Like, he's... You've seen the shot from other angles, and he's not behind him. He's yeah. not back there. And then there's just this one shot where he just sort of, like, steps out from behind him. And so she talks about how, like, it's not your fault. The accident wasn't your fault. So, like, something happened, Lucas died. It's not clear exactly what, and it's never really made clear what happened. Yeah. Um, Elias does not like this answer, and this is when he says, um, tell me what Lucas is doing, tell me what Lucas is doing. And what and Lucas, what is, Lucas doing, is doing, yeah, is he is holding fire to the curtain, ready to set it on fire. And she can't answer because she can't see him. Because, because he's, he's not there. And so Elias goes over and nudges Lucas's hand. He takes his arm and, like, puts it against the curtain, which is clearly just him lighting the curtain. But it was so well done. It was really good. And so the curtain goes up and blazes. And she's freaking out. She's like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. But he, like, the... the um, aquarium with the cat and it explodes. Yeah, from the heat. At this point, they start to seem like they realize they fucked up. Like, both of the boys seem actually afraid during this scene, which they haven't at any point before. Um... And then the next thing you see is 
firefighters kind of like trying to get the blaze under control from the outside. After a couple um, shots of the mom burning horrifically. Yeah. But while the firefighters are doing this, you see on the left side of the frame, the mother in all white walking away from the house completely unfazed. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it's kind of subtle. It's just her, because there's so much other stuff happening, and there's a house in the center. I was watching that. Right. Yeah. And then, I don't even know if I noticed it the first time that I saw it. I, I saw it on the second watch. And this is the first time I've watched it, probably since 2014, honestly. Yeah, it's been a so I, there are half the things in here yeah. I actually forgot had happened. <laughs> like, when the cat died, I was like, oh no, I for, like, I didn't know the cat died. I forgot about that too. I forgot about the cat altogether, I thought it was honestly. water that was in the aquarium. Yeah. Like, there's so many pieces of this I forgot. Or just like, it's very locked detailed. out. Yeah. But you see her walk away. And so, I mean, it's obvious that she's probably a ghost because no one interacts with her. And, like, there's just been this huge fire and you just saw her on fire. Yeah. And no one even looks at her. And then it ends with the shot of a cornfield again. And Elias and Lucas are walking through the cornfield. And then you finally see a shot of all three of them together, them and their mother. They're All three of them are just smiling at the camera. Yeah. Staring. For a shot that lasts a little bit too long. Yeah, it's weird. It lasts long enough to be really uncomfortable. And then it goes up in like little embers, like little uh, shots of fiery pieces going into the air. Yeah. And that's the movie. It's really good. And honestly, all of the foreshadowing that uh, Lucas is dead the whole time is really obvious on a rewatch. And apparently one of the main criticisms of the movie the first, like when it first came out, was that a lot of people felt it was obvious, like it was the obvious twist. About half the people... from. From some of the research I was doing today, um, I was reading that, like, it's kind of 50-50 where either, like, people don't get it until, like, the reveal, which was me, and I think you, and also Tim. Tim was completely shocked. And I was watching it with him, obviously. I guess more accurately, he was watching it with me. And, like, from the first scene where, like, she doesn't hand Lucas a, you know, glass of juice, I was like, oh, he's going to get it. He's going to totally understand what's going on. Like, it's so obvious on a rewatch. And you should have seen his face when it cut to the reveal. He was like, what? And I was like, oh, good. Yeah. Good, you didn't guess it at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that some people pick up on those really well. Yeah. I'm kind of a gullible person, so I usually don't spot those early. I really felt like even though I knew what the twist was, it was equally enjoyable, kind of in the same way that, like, The Sixth Sense is. We're watching it again knowing that the character is dead. I would say spoilers, but it's been a long time. It's 2001? It's been like 20 years. So, um, honestly, I felt like watching it again, it was more interesting because you could kind of see the very careful and very cautious ways um, that they'd worked around making it too obvious, that they'd sort of set up this plausible deniability, like... Lucas never touches anything that really is important in the movie. You it's know? true. There are a lot of little clues. Like when Elias, he's watching all night and then he goes to sleep and then Lucas starts to keep watch. Lucas falls asleep. Right. Um, there's when they're all playing um, the heads up style game. Lucas talks a lot, but he only says exactly what the other person says at the same time. And she never acknowledges him. Like, in the moment, you think that she's ignoring him or that she's just not getting the, like... Because he says, you like animals over over and over and over and over again. And it's not until, like, eventually Elias repeats it in, like, a frustrated way. And you think that it's Elias being like, Mom, he, he said you like animals. Like, get it or don't. Yeah. But it's that she she thinks he's just been sitting there staring at her and not saying anything. Also... This it doesn't apply necessarily quite as much because of the fact that 
Well, I guess on the one hand, she's supposed to be ignoring Lucas the entire time anyway. Um, and also the fact that in English, there's no differentiation between you, plural, and you, singular. She uses the singular you the entire time. But you can't whole movie. tell. Or in German, you can tell. In German, you can tell. If you're using a singular you, it would be du. If you're using a plural, it would be, I think, ihr. Um, and she uses do the entire time. So she is only talking to one person. And I guess there's a sense that like, oh, she's ignoring her other son, but like the whole time, even when she's yelling at them about like, I don't want you to do this thing. I don't want you to do that thing. She's only saying just you the whole time. And as someone who has never taken German, I missed that entirely. But I was thinking earlier today about how she says you all the time. I was like, oh, well, you could mean you singular. You could mean you plural. And there's times where it seems like she's addressing both of them. There's times where it seems like she's only addressing one. And I was like, this is fascinating. Yeah. And that's kind of something that Tim and I actually talked about is like, is it creepier to watch a movie, like a horror movie in another language because there is an element of like distancing? Like you can't fully understand it as well as you could. Like... I'm going to go with no. I think that it's not about the foreign language, but about the foreign country. And I say that because thinking of the Babadook, Mm -hmm. and that's in Australia. True. And that's foreign. But there's still this weird feeling that comes with it where you know it's somewhere else. And it also could be like, I don't know if they fund movies in the same way that like Mm -hmm. Austria and other countries do. But that's a movie where I still feel like the fact that it's foreign almost made it scarier. Because you kind of feel a little out of place the entire time that you're watching Yeah, everything it. just seems like a little offense because it just feels very unfamiliar. And so, I mean, culture shock's a real thing. You don't necessarily experience culture shock when you just, like, watch something that's different. But I do think it adds a sense of unfamiliarity and, like... If you live in a foreign country after like a couple weeks or like a month or so, you get culture shock in the way you just feel like something's wrong and like you feel really miserable and a lot of the times you want to go home. And um, it's a super common phenomenon. And I feel like um, sometimes when watching a foreign movie, you get like a tiny, tiny taste of that where it's like you're supposed to be immersed in this person's world and it just feels different than your own. But then is that even exaggerated when it is a foreign language thing? Because like as much as you can watch the subtitles, you know that there's an extra layer of sort of barrier between between your reality and the reality that's happening in the movie because even though like you're yes you're understanding what they're saying but you're not understanding the words that are coming out of their mouths and there are always subtle differences in translation like there are a couple moments in that movie where i can't remember all of them and most of them are small things like instead of saying like don't elias she's saying don't do that and it's like if you can understand the language you are getting a slightly different even if it's like not important you know even if it's a super super minor thing you're getting a slightly different version of what she's saying so does that sort of level of not fully being able to understand all the way i think that's possible i also think that when it's a foreign language movie you have to pay really close attention the entire time yeah you can't zone out i think that because foreign language movies kind of like require your full attention if you're watching like scream you can kind of tune out a little bit occasionally and then you're not as scared when the scary things happen with this you can't tune out otherwise you just have no idea what's going on that's also a good point so maybe you're just more clued in and you're paying more attention you're getting more of those so i think there's a things. lot of reasons why foreign slash foreign language films are a little bit scarier at times yeah not to say that domestic films aren't terrifying because like hereditary that's true i also think that maybe there's a part of it that like Movies within a certain country's, like, cinematic 
history tend to like work on the same themes. So like, for instance, things that show up a lot in like Korean horror don't necessarily show up in a lot of American That's true, horror so they're movies. unusual. Yeah. We don't expect them in the same way. Right, so maybe you don't necessarily see what's coming in the same way. Like this is a more straightforward version because like the twist is not super surprising like it's kind of once you figure it out you're like oh yeah okay that but makes think a lot about of like in the early 2000s when like the ring and the grudge were made like small pale little girls or young women who had like long dark hair in front of their face like there was a couple years in the u.s where that was like the scariest thing possible yeah because it was sort of different from what we had been watching previously. exactly yeah. like we hadn't had that version of visual horror before That's like we had a lot point. of slashers we'd had a lot of like ghosts and bleeding walls and skeletons and rocking chairs and shit but we hadn't had that true yeah i think there's a lot of different reasons and this is why you should watch foreign horror movies because you will get your uh, your horizons broadened so another thing i want to bring up about this movie yes is there are a lot of questions that just aren't answered true like, the first one being, is it actually their mother? I think that it is. But I also think that there are enough reasons for them to doubt it. So I read this article earlier today. And uh, one of the things it said is that when people watch this movie, they either look at it and they say, like, oh, cool. So that actually was the mom. And they never think about it again. Right. Or they look at it and they say, oh, that wasn't the mom. And they never think about it again. And they're 100% decided one way or the other. I hadn't even considered the fact that it wasn't actually their mother. And I hadn't the first time I watched After it. After the reveal, I was like, oh, no, they just can't deal with what's happening. But this time, I was, like, looking for it. And it still, to me, reads more like it probably is the mom. Yeah. But combined with, one, the identical friend that she never gives any details on. Yeah, she just says, oh, it's my friend. Two, um, they're like the show me your birthmark. Yeah, and I don't know if that's meant to be, like... They are talking about like her mole. I don't Which know if that's moles like a translation aren't thing. Birthmark, so it might be a translation yeah. thing, or it could be that she just doesn't want to like prove it to them or whatever. Yeah, like maybe There's she has that. a birthmark in a weird place or something like that. Three, like not knowing your son's favorite song is kind of weird, like or just anything. And she but just, also, she just I mean, with like, something. If she had like in context, like when you watch it at the time, you're like, oh, she should totally know her son's favorite song. But like imagining that like her son has been killed like six months earlier, and then her other son has her tied up and is like, what's my dead brother's favorite song? She's gonna be like, what the fuck is going on? No, that's that's like fair. she might not be like she comes up with something. She says like, oh, like lullaby and goodnight, and like it's not right or whatever but the last one is the eye color like in the video that she recorded in advance like if you're recording a video saying oh i'm really excited to get this plastic surgery and you're not wearing any makeup why are you wearing colored contacts and then they actually go look for the colored contacts and don't find them that's true also why wouldn't they know her eye color i knew my mother's eye color when i was Nine? I knew both of my parents' I don't know if I did when I was nine. These kids, as we know now, have a lot of shit happen to them. Like, their parents' eye color is not the most important thing. There was just, like, a couple moments like that. She is really physically mean to her kids. She is. Which I get a little bit more context. Like, it makes more sense in context. Like, it's still not great. It seems to me like she probably is the mom and just did a really shitty job. I mean, I think the... um, co-writers slash directors said that this movie is all about miscommunication yeah this is a really good point of miscommunication right because ultimately what is happening is she's really i mean she's grieving like her son died and her husband and her broke up like that's a lot to go through 
And then, like, your remaining son starts acting really weird and hostile and, like, talking about his dead brother like he's still around. Yeah. Like, that's really difficult. So, and... I think in looking at this from, a, like, a metaphorical sense, like, it's not the same mom. That's because true. it's a woman who's dealt with the death of a child, the loss of a husband, and has had, like, extensive facial reconstruction surgery if an accident caused her face to get messed up. Or she had surgery because she's getting older and she works on TV and... And she might be worried about, like, losing her job or something like that. I don't know how competitive the Austrian TV market is. Also, I gotta be honest, this is another situation where if you just go to therapy, it will help so much. Therapy's great. Like, talk to someone and send your child to talk to someone about the unbelievably horrible things that have happened recently. I can't even imagine what losing a twin at nine years old would be like. Like, that must be unbelievably difficult on a kid. Like... This kid shouldn't just be, like, out frying ants in the Austrian countryside. Like, there needs to be so much more communication in this family, and there isn't, and that's part of the huge problem here. I will say also, but her drawing on the mole was really weird. But, I mean, I kind of get it. Like, your kid is already freaking out and being really weird. Like, I mean, just put it back so that there's, like, some semblance of normalcy so that things are still the same. I get that. But also drawing a black spot on your face won't necessarily look like a real mole. That's true. I mean, they figured out pretty quickly and it makes them so much worse. So, so, and then the other unanswered question here is how did Lucas die? Yeah. They say it's an accident, but that's it. So, um, I read three theories. Okay. The first is um, car crash. Makes sense. Um, I don't think the most obvious choice, but there is an accident. Accident in English mean can also mean like car accident. Right. Um, it's something that could like mess you up and require you to need surgery. Sure. Um, but it was all facial surgery, so maybe not. Yeah, I mean, she could have slammed her face into something or something like that. Yeah. Um, theory two, fire. That is kind of what I thought of. Um, just because of how much fire happens in this movie, like there's the magnifying glass with the ants. Um, there's the lighter that she finds in the bedroom. Yeah, and she also says that it is not Elias's fault. And she finds the lighter in Lucas's bunk. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just, like, you don't really get a good sense of, like, who Lucas was when he was still alive, but in the movie, as he is, he is the troublemaker. He's the shit stirrer. He's the one who constantly thinks it's not the mom. He's the one who's, like, doing things. He's the one who wears the mask more often. So, like, maybe he was fucking around with a lighter and accidentally lit himself on fire. Yeah, or, like, a whole... Because this is, like... this It seemed like their vacation house, not, like, their daily house. Yeah, they talk about, like, they used to live in Vienna. So there's a chance that, like, they let the house in Vienna on fire. Yeah. And the mom and the husband and the and Lucas escaped, and maybe he didn't. Right. Theory three is my favorite. Ooh. And it is, um, in the beginning of the movie, you see Elias on, like, a floaty in the lake, which we mentioned. And it's after him and his brother have been playing tag. And he calls out to his brother two or three times. And he's like, Lucas? Lucas? And you see a couple bubbles come up from the lake. One of the theories is that that is the scene in which Lucas died. That would be interesting. I, I definitely remember watching that and being like, wow, he's been under there for a really long time. Yeah. And I don't know if that's supposed to be an indication that like he's not still alive because no actual living child could stay underwater for that long. Or, yeah, that could be where he dies. People like, also take it as, like, he died in that lake, but not in that scene. Oh. So, like, um, he's out there playing. He goes to that lake and kind of relives that experience, then walks home. But he walks home with his brother. 
That would be interesting. So there's a couple different theories. Um, those are the two really big unanswered questions. Um, we also never really find out how the cat dies. I mean, the brothers think that it's the mom who did it. I just don't see her doing that. Like, I mean, she physically, her... like, twists Elias's head when she's holding him down. Yeah, but I think that there's a difference between, like, getting... And, I mean, I definitely think she's in the wrong for doing it. But I think that there's a difference between getting physical with your kid when you're mad at them and grieving and maliciously killing a cat and then hiding its body behind a radiator. And I think cats will go find a corner to die in, like, when they're getting sick and old and stuff yeah. like that. And, like, and they... he wanders off. That cat wanders off during the scene where she's yelling at the That's kids. true. So, like... He could be, like, piecing also, out Also, they, like, take him out from, like, this cave thing where he's yowling. Like, yeah. he could have been sick in, the, in general. Yeah, you don't really know what's going on. But there's on. just, like, a lot of small things like this that just go completely unanswered. There are, yeah. There's also the one scene where they're, like, super gluing the mom's lips together. <laughs> um, which makes me think almost maybe there's something supernatural going on. But it could just be, like, they didn't think about this when making the film. Yeah. Um, is that the brothers are, like, holding the lips shut together. There's no way that one nine-year-old boy could hold his entire mom's mouth shut. Yeah, and, like, when they're poking at her eyes, it seems like it would be hard for one kid to do that. And he even says, like, help me. And they have to, like, together hold her eye open. Yeah, so that's interesting. Maybe he's a ghost. Yeah, so it might not be a hallucination. It might be ghost Lucas. Because then the mom comes out later, and there's nobody presumably left to hallucinate her after she's dead. Yeah. So maybe... They're all ghosts. Or maybe Elias gets away, and he Spoopy. hallucinates all of them at the end. Oh, man. That That'd be, be creepy. So just uh, really kind of cool how this was completely open-ended. Dude, it was. And this is something that I actually really like. Um, this is not the first of these movies, actually not remotely the first movie that we've talked about recently. It was by first-time feature filmmakers. And in this case, it's not... Um, Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz had both made movies before, but this is their first narrative film that they. What type of movies did they do before? They've done documentaries before, and very um, different. Franz uh, Veronica Franz is married to a filmmaker called Ulrich Zidl, Zidl, um, who is an Austrian filmmaker as well. And I believe I read somewhere that Severin Fiala is his nephew. I couldn't find another source for that, but I read it somewhere in one of the articles that I read about this. So, like, she has co-written stuff with him, with with her husband previously. So there's, like, some connection to, like, more mainstream filmmaker. It's not like they just popped out of nowhere and made this movie. Um, But I do think it's interesting that things like Hereditary or Get Out, you're seeing, like, these first-time feature filmmakers kind of starting out into horror and making these movies that are, like, mind-blowing. I have a theory about that, actually. And yeah. my theory is that a lot of these people probably have an idea and they stew on it for, like, years. Yeah. And they kind of add to it. They might talk to someone about it. Like, I've talked to you about ideas I've had for, like, books or other things. And you've been like, oh, this is really cool, but what about this? And so you probably, if you spend 10 years on an idea, it's going to go a lot better than if you spend, like, a year on an idea. That's true. So you can sort of be an overnight sensation and then, like the following up is where, like, more pressure and more time crunch comes in. That and, like, a lot of um, people who make movies now, like, a lot of the movies you see in theaters are from people who've already made movies, so they have a reputation. But if you have one idea and they have to come up with another and another and another, they might not be as original, but if it's your first, like, idea and it's the first time you share that point of view with an audience, then it's going to be different than what other people have said because they've never seen in your mind before. That's but, true. like, how many times have we seen into Steven Spielberg's mind? Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. We don't know what to expect from these people. I mean, talking about, like, where you get the ideas and, like, where they come from, I absolutely loved that apparently their main inspiration for this movie was Extreme Makeover, their, like, reality makeover show where they give people plastic surgery. Um, Because they talked about how, like, 
all of the adult characters on the show are always like, oh my God, he looks so great. But then they show like the contestants' kids and they're like, what the fuck? And like, <laughs> apparently they're like, they seem really upset or like sometimes they'll be like, this is not my mother. Which is such a weird place to like get an idea for a horror movie like this, but it's perfect. I mean, that's it is that's how kids are, and that kind of feeds into why they're so weird and paranoid. And like, I mean, my dad used to have waist length hair, and he cut it all off. Oh my god! Until I was like seven, his hair went down to his waist, oh my and so like he cut it all short. And I was like, "Who the hell is this person?" He came Dude. to pick me up from camp, oh and I was god. like, "What is this?" My dad used to have when I was oh god, like five or six. This super thick, dark, big mustache. And he shaved it all off, which objectively, looking back, is a much better look for him. And I lost it. I mean, it's a real reaction to how people, how, like, kids react to stuff. And they also talk about Invasion of the Body Snatchers as being an inspiration for this. Um, And Severin Fiala says that he thinks that the most terrifying thought for me would be that all the people I love are somebody else. Which... Is also, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Is like, what's more scary than being a kid all alone with your mother and then not being able to trust that that's actually your mother and that she actually has your best interests at heart? Like, it's the one relationship you're supposed to be able to depend on. Yeah, that's pretty creepy. And especially since they clearly had a loving relationship with her before, you know? Yeah, because that tape they play of her is, like, just so sweet and nice. And then she's so cruel for the whole, like, first half of the movie. Like, okay, there are definitely two separate parts of this movie. And we talk about that a little bit when the turn happens, where it goes from being their perspective to being her perspective. And I think the first time we really see it as her perspective is when she's sitting in the kitchen alone with no makeup on because she's, like, cried it all off slash Lorraine has, like, Mm -hmm. taken it off. And she's, like, taking the pill. And that's the first time you see her without the context and the view of her children. Right. And up until that point everything is done differently it's like a totally different lighting situation the camera work is completely different um i was reading an article between these um two women who watched the movie and they were talking about how they actually interviewed the creators and they were like we feel like the beginning of the movie is just so much darker like and just seems lighter towards the end the filmmakers were like no i mean it it literally is lighter towards the end like we did that on purpose yeah there's all of these like a lot of shadow stuff in the beginning and like really interestingly framed shots and like not that the shots towards the end aren't interestingly framed but there definitely is more of like a fantasy element to it in the beginning and it sort of feeds into like um the childlike view of things there's a lot of more like you see the dream sequences that are sort of incorporated a little bit more ambiguously into things like you see the cockroaches in the stomach and her out in the woods and at first it's not clear which is which um and you know the creators talked about that in the sense that like when you're a kid, you have a harder time discerning your imaginary life from real life because you don't really know how things work in real life. I used to think a devil was going to pop out of the toilet when I flushed it, so I'd flush and run away really fast. Until you were, what, like 15, 16? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> um, and so there is this really surreal thing. And we were talking about this, or you kind of mentioned it really briefly um, when we decided to do this or when we started talking about doing this for this episode. Somebody somewhere referred to this as a fairy tale. Yeah. And you were like, what the fuck does that mean? This is not a fairy tale at all. But the first half of this is very fairy tale-like. It is, because it's like two little boys and the person who comes home is not their mom. Though it also reminds me a lot of that, like, scary stories to tell in the dark um, story where the mom who comes home is, like, wooden and has, like, the glass eyes because they, like, sold their mom. 
But that's also, I mean, that's a and that's kind of a fairy tale, yeah. yeah. Like that's a modern sort of fairy tale concept, and it's also terrifying. Exactly, and a lot of those, I mean. Even the fact that they're just out in the woods in the Austrian countryside, these two weird twins with this ambiguous mother, like, that's a very Brothers Grimm type of situation. That and, like, Brothers Grimm was really fucking dark, They man. are. They're very dark. Like, the ones that we read now are not the fairy tales that existed, like, 500 years ago. No. and that, Well, the interesting thing about that is that there's a lot of discussion about the fact that the Brothers Grimm actually punched up a lot of the gruesome aspects of... Um, fairy tales because they went around to like the black forest and different parts of like um germany and got these folk tales and collected them into a book in like the 1700s um and that was the first time that a lot of those were like compiled written down and so there's a lot of uh conjecture that maybe they sort of made a lot of the female characters more menacing than they were originally considered to be that they punched up a lot of the gruesome and violent aspects of them i also read that like a lot of them were political commentary and so yeah. that's one of the reasons like and a lot of that context has been lost like jack and the beanstalk was about overthrowing the king right and being like a normal person it's basically like taking down the bourgeoisie yeah like there's a lot of elements that don't necessarily occur to us now when we read those so like yeah a lot of them are more gruesome but it doesn't mean that they were always like that yeah or that they've been mild in on like everything is sort of on a spectrum and everything is sort of flexible and things change with time um but this is definitely in that vein of the way that a lot of those stories were initially published yeah um and even though like the town that they go to with just like the accordion and just like empty yeah. it's all very surreal and a lot of the stuff that they like play with at the beginning is very childish. Like there's all this kid logic. Like you don't really feel for a lot of it like they um, understand what's going to happen if they actually go through with a lot of these things, or at least it doesn't feel like Elias really does. Um, or they just have really weird responses to things. There's a scene that we didn't mention, but they want to floss their mom's teeth. Oh God, because she makes them floss for a certain amount of time. Yeah, and so they're flossing for her, mm-hmm. but they put a stick in her mouth to, like, keep it open. Mm. And, like, that doesn't really make sense. No. It's a lot of that, like, you need someone there when you're a kid to tell you not to do insane shit because kids have not figured out what is, like, good and what is horrible yet all the way, you know? Yep. Um, and, like, once things get more serious, Elias obviously is uncomfortable with it, and Lucas is like, no, keep doing it. And he's not the real version. So it's sort of like you get the sense that, like, Elias is not necessarily planning all of this stuff to be as horrible as he ends up being. And the first half of the movie really builds up your sympathy towards him. You're like, oh, shit, is this the real mom? And then it takes that hard left turn towards, like, the two-thirds mark or whatever. And that's also when all of the childish things from the beginning get fucked up. Like frying ants with a magnifying glass all of a sudden they're using that on her face yeah like the masks suddenly become a lot more ominous the lullabies are also creepy as fuck yeah and then they're a plot device you don't know me because you don't know which lullaby i like best because yeah. when she guesses lullaby and good night the song that elias sings as like a response like no this is his favorite song i think it's also a lullaby i think so but yeah. it's a different one um there's the toy crossbow which they make into, into a, a real one. Weapon. Yeah. And the title, the original title, is XAXA, as we talked about, which is the German version of I Spy. And the original, the phrase for that when you're playing is XAXA, was du nicht which is I see, I see what you don't see. Which is interesting for a couple of reasons, because on the one hand, they're seeing things that aren't 
there in the sense that they're seeing things that are wrong with their mom that means that like she's not really their mom also Elias is literally seeing something that no one else has oh seen oh my god I didn't know that isn't that cool that's so good it's so cool I love that I got a little chills when I first showed that I was like oh my god that's amazing I was um, obviously you guys can't see this because this is a podcast but I was literally staring at Maggie with my mouth open <laughs> as she said that it's so good it's like those little things where you're like it's a child's game so there is that like child element to it but it's also literally like what the movie is about oh that's so well done yeah and then it's like the audience doesn't see everything that's going on she doesn't see everything that's going on he doesn't see it's all about the differences in perspectives the inability to communicate with each other and if they tiled it i spy it would have seemed like a bad spy comedy exactly and that's not what that is Especially with seeing things through a kid's perspective and, like, childhood things becoming terrifying, this movie reminded me so much of The Babadook. Dude, it has a lot in common with It the is Babadook. basically the same movie, but with some changes. We need to wait a long time before we do a Babadook episode, because we've done way too many, like, parent-child grief relationships. I'm ready to take a break <laughs> from dramatic parent-child oh um, God, relationships. Yes. But it's a movie about grief. It's a movie with hallucinations related to depression. Yep. It's a movie where they lost someone close to them. Yep. And single parenting, new single parenting with a difficult child. An asshole mom and an asshole kid. Yep. Like overall, they're pet. so they're all blonde. Yep, everybody's blonde. Um There's a lot more characters in that one. Yeah. But it's still kind of fairy tale light. Yeah. There's a more um like, the mom is sort of the mystical monster in this one for the first half. Um, and in the, other, in the Babadook, it's actually and, yeah. the Babadook. Right. Um, and there's literally a children's book yeah. involved in it. And so they're just so similar. I found this awesome quote about the fact that this is similar to the Babadook. And it's from the same interview I referenced earlier on. Um, it's on Pajiba.com. And it's between Christy Puchko and Rebecca Pale. And Rebecca Pale says, sometimes things go well and you end up saving your son. And sometimes there's nothing you can do and the son ends up torturing you. Whoops. That's a beautiful breakdown of them. I think that is the biggest <laughs> difference between the Babadook and Goodnight Mommy. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, like we, I mean, we've talked about this a lot recently because we're on a weird streak where this is like our fifth movie in a row about parent-child relationships. Um, which we are breaking after this, I promise you. <laughs> oh, thank God. Um, but I mean, I also thought a lot about Hereditary when I was watching this. Like, it's there's that weird mother-son tension, like dealing with the loss of another like family member. Yeah. Specifically of... A sibling. A sibling in an accident, where it's like you don't want to blame them, but there's still that weird whatever happening. Yeah. And there's the strange hallucinations, the fire, dramatic fire scene in both of them. That's true. And Honestly, both of the sons think that their mother is going to try to hurt them. And it's unclear how founded those beliefs are. I mean, in both of them, the mother does hurt them in some way. That's true. It's much worse in Hereditary. That's true. She does much worse things than just, like, kind of get a little physical with him. That's that's Like, she's not... The mom in, in Goodnight Mommy is not doing a good job mothering her child but she also doesn't douse him in gasoline and try to light him on fire at any point in time so there's that she also doesn't saw off her own head with a piano wire so yeah i mean there's some big differences there's yeah. some major differences um it also has drawn a lot of comparisons between um funny games which is very fair yeah i mean on the surface it is because you've got they're kind of like the kid versions of the villains in funny games right they're like these two little blonde sociopaths in white shirts torturing i someone. don't feel like 
I don't feel like this was inspired by funny games, but no. I feel like the filmmakers definitely watched funny games more than once. Yeah, they actually talk about this, um, and uh, Severine Fiala appreciates the comparisons in a way. He says that the Haneke, who's the original, Michael Haneke is the original director. Actually, I think he did both. Right? I think he did both, yeah. Uh, the Hanukkah comparison, we are very proud to be compared to him because the filmmaking quality is very accurate and precise in what he does and what he wants to do and very good. So we really love to be compared to that. They both have this very clear concept of what they're doing. There's sort of a sparse attitude to the filmmaking in a lot of places. Um, but then on the other hand, they also talk about like funny games, which we kind of talked about when we talked about The Purge. It's sort of an anti-horror horror movie where like the things that are happening are technically horror, but it's sort of more of a commentary on like, why do you like watching this? What's wrong with you? Where they talk about, I mean, they love horror movies. They talk about that in the interview. They're like, we don't want you to feel bad for wanting to watch a horror movie. We like horror. We want you to watch horror movies. We want you to feel something like that when you see this movie. That's why we're making it. Um, and also there's a big difference between um, strangers breaking into your home and torturing you for no reason and your son slowly going a little bit nuts because he lost his brother at a very young age and believes that you are a replacement mother who is trying to do him harm. <laughs> That's valid. Like, they're very different motivations, but even if on the surface they seem similar. I think the way in which they treat violence is very similar. And it's really interesting because when you watch something like Funny Games or you watch something like Goodnight Mommy, where the violence is not super intense, but it's shown to you in a very like straightforward, well lit, realistic way. Right. It's as not opposed to like glamorized. We can watch Saw Four, where someone like gets split open, their intestines fall everywhere. Yeah. And I have less of a reaction to that than I do to watching the mom's lip get cut while having her lips cut back open. Yeah, and they kind of mentioned that in one of the articles that I read as well, um, in the sense that like. If you go too hard with the fantasy, it's not scary in the same way. Because you can watch Saw and like, you can watch Saw 3D and watch a woman get lowered over a saw in the middle of Times Square. That is specifically the scene I was referring to. This is not going to happen. Like this would never ever happen. Someone would stop it. You know, that it's not possible. But like something like this, where it's just a family relationship that gets so messed up because of paranoia and miscommunication and untreated mental health issues, that could happen. Like, kids are weird, and their brains go in weird directions, and if you're not on top of it, and you're not taking care of yourself and your kid, like, it can go sideways pretty quickly. And of course, the the visual thing um, of her face all wrapped up in bandages is a sort of Oh my god, it's so scary. And then, oh god, the scene where she's, like, looking in the mirror, and he creeps into her in the bathroom, and she, like, looks at him in, like, her big... Um, yeah, because she takes off like the bandages the at mirror. night and yeah. she's like looking at herself in the mirror. You haven't seen her yet. And it has like her makeup mirror on mm-hmm. the side, and it's you like just see her weird. eye, and it's kind of distorted because those mirrors zoom in so much that if you look at it from the wrong angle, it looks messed up. And she it's just like looks at him. And all fucked up, and she looks at him and it's, oh, it's very creepy. Um, and I've seen a lot of comparisons with that, with the French movie called Eyes Without a Face. Um, Les yeux sans visage. Beautiful. You did an amazing job. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and in that, the main character is a young woman who has undergone numerous surgeries to fix her face after an actual accident. Like, you do know for sure it's an accident. She's nearly killed. And she has this sort of terrifying mask that she has to wear for most of the time. She looks kind of like a mannequin for a lot of it. Um, and you just see her eyes. They're like the only expressive part of her face. Um, and also in it, she is initially, she's the scariest looking character, but she's not the real villain. It's her father is the real villain. Um, Cause he's like killing people to try to take their faces and give them to her. It's a great movie. That I sounds think it's interesting. on Hulu yeah. or Amazon. You should watch it. It's free wherever it is. I definitely didn't pay to rent it. Um, but it's a great movie. It's kind of similar in that way. That sort of like mask, like you can't really get a beat on what her emotions are necessarily. Yeah. Also, 
I was looking through my Instagram Explore page, which at this point is the Instagram Explore page of a 14-year-old girl because it's all Ariana Grande and Riverdale. And I don't know how that happened. I don't know. But I saw somebody post a picture of uh, the character Penelope Blossom in, uh, at one point in time, I guess she's in a, a fire and her bandages after that fire while she's recovering are literally identical to the bandages in Goodnight Mommy, which I don't know if that is intentional or not, um, but she is sort of creepy during I those I think it's just realistic. I guess maybe that's what it is. But they look exactly the same. They do. Exact that's same great. Placement, and it cracked me up because I was working on this. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love this movie in a bad way. Like, I love it, but I don't want to watch it again for a while. It's the same way I feel about Hereditary. It's just too much. It's great and I it's too much. I think Hereditary is less than this for me. Really? Yeah. I'm, it's easier for me to watch this. Maybe because it's a little more typical at times. Yeah, it's definitely more of that, like, it's fantasy, so it doesn't feel as threatening. Exactly. This yeah. feels like... I mean, it's almost similar to home invasion stuff. Yeah, but, like, the calls are coming from within your child. Ba ba ba. Um, but we are taking a break from all of this next week. Oh, thank God. I'm so excited for next week. I know you are. We're doing one of my favorites. Next week, we are going to do Nightmare on Elm Street. And I can't wait. I'm so excited. I love these movies. They're really fun. I'm going to watch. I'm going to try to watch all of them before we record There's next. I don't know if that's possible because there are like 10,000 of them. I watched one, two, and four. I think I missed three when you watched it without me. So I have one through four on DVD. I don't have the rest of them, but I'm sure that I can find them on like Amazon or something like that. Probably. I don't think that hard. Um, I just don't think I'll ever forget. Um, it's in the one in which there is a mental hospital and like Freddie takes out all the tendons or ligaments and stuff mm. from a person and like uses them at like as a marionette Ooh, yeah. to like force him to, like climb to the top of the building like jump off and i think that was my favorite kill there's some great kills that's one of the cool coolest things about the nightmare on elm street um franchise is that because he's in a dream he can do anything um my other favorite also from that one is when he comes out of a tv grabs him and smashes their head yeah. against the tv and he's like that's what i call smash hit yes i remember that i love that um oh, that God, might not be so the good. exact i'm gonna watch all of these i can't um wait. but they just become so jokey they're jokey after right a while away. we'll talk more about them i love him as a jokey slasher character um so anyway we'll talk about that he's the dreamiest villain that there ever has been and uh strictly because he operates in a dream not because i'm really into guys with hand claws and facial burns i'm not against guys with facial burns that stuff's out of your control but listen i'm unbelievably attracted to freddy krueger and there's nothing i can do about it okay i'm gonna buy tim one of those green and red sweaters and just tell him to wear it around <laughs> you and see what happens don't i would be so afraid would you would you even notice probably i get creeped out about all that shit he would wear it, though. He would like that. He would. He would think that was funny. Anyway, um, we're going to talk about that next time. I'm very excited. Uh, we're going to have fun. We're finally going to lighten up a little bit. Oh, my God. I'm so <laughs> looking forward to a fun movie. These oh last couple have been so stressful. Also, I mean, obviously, Nightmare on Elm Street is, like, one of the most important, like, classic, all-time great slasher movies. Not in terms of, like, oh, it's a beautiful piece of art or whatever, but, like, in terms of just like good essential horror, it is way up on, at least on my list. We're gonna watch that. It's gonna be amazing. Check in with us next time. And until then, have a happy Mother's Day. Just throw away all your super glue. You don't really need that. No, you don't. And you know what? Even if your mom does get full facial reconstruction, she's probably still your mom. Support her. Love yeah. her. Don't burn her face 
with a magnifying glass. And if it's not your mom, just leave and don't yeah. come back. It'll just, be okay. Just peace out. Just, you know, go to the cops instead of going to a priest. But anyway, have a lovely weekend. Drive safe. Um, be good. And we love you guys. Talk to you later. Mwah.